Hey, my name is John Crawford. I am a church planter in residency here at the table, which means I do a whole lot of things. But part of that includes being a part of our College of Preachers here, practicing proclaiming good news as we proclaim good news together. So with that, uh, let's proclaim some good news together this morning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Coming on about 15 years now, I would have told you that James 127 was my favorite Bible verse. The Beatitudes have crept up into that place, but James 127 for a long time held it. True religion that God our Father finds pure and faultless is this, to care for the widows and the orphans and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Seems like such a simple, beautiful summary to me what it means to follow Christ, how to actually live this thing out. Take care of those who are unfortunate, the down and out, and the forgotten and live in a way that does not allow the world to bring you to its ways of being turned from God or to be tainted. Sounds pretty simple and good, right? I agree. Especially the widows and the orphans bits. That is why we all have such similar ideas on the ways that we are pro-life and the welfare system, charity, supporting those outside of our nuclear families, immigration policies, border detention facilities, how we love victims of abuse, Oh, wait, we're not so clear on that. Cool, 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 cool. All right, well, at least we're clear on what being polluted or tainted by the world means. Look at Christian views of media consumption, wealth, Harry Potter, purity culture, (laughs) ways that we handle power. Oh, seems like we're not so clear on that then either, huh? Are you like me? And you hear these things, and you start to name the different camps in which Christian views fall on these issues. How when somebody uses the term pro-life, we can be again to immediately shape an ideal, a way of being, and a camp in which one can belong. It begins to shape an us and a them. This is what I think and this is what they think. Camps form quickly, and we are really the ones caring for the widows and the orphans, right? Think like me, and we can be those who do this correctly. Our belonging and everyone's belonging, is defined by the stances and ways in which one believes and stands by these things. And this is how culture wars are created. A topic around which to be correct is put forward, and varying sides begin to start turf wars and to determine who it is that is in and who it is that is out. Virtue signaling, the act of making sure that everyone knows that I am speaking the right words, I'm on the right team, simply becomes a tactic of belonging. Is there more going on than belonging in these things? 100%, yes, in every way there's more going on here. But a short sermon cannot get all of this that is happening in culture wars, and we have no shortage of conversations around power and justice that we'll continue to have as we discern those together. So today I want to talk about the belonging pieces. I can't help to see, as I talk about all these things, a middle school cafeteria, you, I, Trump, and Biden, and all of our awkward middle school years wearing those sneakers that our mom bought for us that we didn't want to wear anyways, are just trying to find a table to sit at. If we simply say the right things, can we get in with the right folks? Our parents raised us to think about what those kids over there do, and let's just find somewhere to belong, somewhere that if I can just say the right thing or do the right thing, will you allow me to be a part of this table? Do you feel this temptation? To belong, to fit in, to find an ease of life that is surrounded by people like you. Maybe you felt it here, among us, as we preach and we have these conversations together. 
or in other places in your life, tempted to stay quiet until you figured out the right thing to say in order to belong, to do, or maybe even to speak loudly so that you can belong, but belonging being that driving factor. It is to this place, y'all, that I proclaim the good news today. Beloved, your belonging does not hinge on your thinking or doing the right thing. Your belonging is set in the free gift of Christ. Come and be whole again by receiving and participating in God's kingdom justice. It's hard not to read our passages today, at least for me, and not have these belonging kairoses just start to bubble up. I mean, our psalm literally says, who may abide in your tent? I want to. Can I abide here, please? In other passages, I wonder if there are belonging kairoses just below the surface. If we look to the Pharisees, for instance, in our, new t- new, our gospel passage today, this is almost a culture war passage in and of itself. Bring it forward a few thousand years, have it take place on Twitter, and it would be all the rage on a small corner of the internet for at least 36 hours. The Pharisees in this passage have been raised in and helped create a culture together that has sought to define clearly what it means to be holy, what it means to belong to God, what it means to belong to the people of God. So, yes. So then part of what it is to do this is to be clean before God, to eat with clean hands, clean food, so that one can be clean before God, acceptable to be a part. Mix in then a few generations of this desire, a heaping scoop of power embedded with closeness to government and temple, and you see a dynamic playing out here between first century Jewish folk about what it means to be holy, and I imagine for some what it means to belong with God and with the people. So this bit of desires brewing up, a bit of belonging, so then they ask Jesus, why do you not do these things that to us are so imperative to belonging, so imperative to being a part of this? Why don't you? And then Jesus tweets back. I think he sees and he names their concern. He calls them back to the fullness of what it is that God wants. He says to them, in Jewish understanding, that what goes into the stomach does not defile, but that which comes out of the heart, the heart being the center of one's being, who a person is, their heart, and what's going on. And this is their concern. They're doing these things so that their heart can be clean, so they can belong with God, be with the people of God. It has been taught to them, and it's what they believe, and so it must be true. They have to keep going in order to achieve this. They're believing in their camp, and they're doing what they can to be faithful. Jesus points them to Isaiah, previous Israelites who had done similar things of performing these acts of belonging, but points to them that their hearts are deceived. Don't get me wrong, Jesus is not using soft language here. He's used up all his question responses for that day, as is normal, and was responding loudly and clearly. But it's still an invitation. An invitation for them to respond, not from a place of culture war, not from a place of belonging by thinking or doing the right thing, but pointing back to what it is that God is inviting them into, a place to notice and discern for them what is good to be a part of as the people of God, to figure out the fruits of that which they are engaging in and hold them up to see if this is what God intended. And this is where we see our James passage come in. James is writing to a scattered people, all trying to discern what it looks like to live as Christians among the Romans, among an empire-minded world. He's writing to them, and just as Jesus did, seeks to call them back to the heart of God and to the justice of God. How? 
he uses different bits of purity language throughout James. And he doesn't mean personal good, do-goodedness when he says purity. It's not personal righteousness. What he's talking about and when he says this, in part, about either oneself or religion, he's meaning what does it mean to be whole? To be whole in God as we were created to be. Not to be split apart by living as the world does into camps that separate based on injustices, unwholeness, self-focused realities, the one that Jesus named in greed, pride, deceit. Those being at the core of these injustices that split us and what we begin to do these things, incompleteness. And James specifically, he's writing to say that you split yourself off from the poor to ingratiate yourself with the rich. Come back and no longer be a fractured person, but be whole within Christ. We see this invitation directly in verse 21 when he writes, Come and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. It is the free gift of Christ from Christ, the one that receives and our wholeness is restored. Wholeness that does not have to be split apart to belong into different camps, to take stances in order to belong, forsaking the heart of what it means to be whole in God's righteousness, God's justice. The invitation is to come and be made whole again. Similar to Jesus' invitation to notice that which comes out of one's heart, the center of one being. If one then receives Christ, this is the good news, right? So then if you receive Christ, James makes it really clear what's next. Go start doing. This is why I love James personally. Just go and start doing. But then I think this is where we get tempted to even do simply to belong, right? Just go be generous. If you're like me, if I help you and do these things, will you like me? Can I come be a part? So then we just do in order to belong again. We do the right things. We act in the right way. But y'all, doing is good. But that's not the fullness of our good news this morning either. It's just performative-based belonging, hoping, trying to become to belong It's not the good news that, beloved, your belonging does not hinge on your thinking or doing the right thing. Your belonging is set in the free gift of Christ. Come and be whole again by receiving and participating in God's kingdom justice. I think this is hard for us because we don't know how to receive a free gift that isn't performance-based. It's hard to imagine a free gift that calls us to something. We are being called to something but that doesn't have a tit-for-tat exchange that is a contractual reality. This is hard for us. And again, as a caveat, doing is a key piece of our response here. It would not be justice to our passages today if this wasn't that. But it is also a trap that when we do it just for the sake of belonging, just to fit in. So then if this trap is lying in wait for us, and we can't just simply do or think our way in order to belong, how do we determine that which is good for us to do? If you're like me, what do we do with this nervous energy of like, I want to be a part. Can I do something? Can I say something? What do I do? How do I be a part of this? James replies with this, starting in verse 19. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's justice, God's righteousness. Therefore, rid yourself of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness, and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save 
your souls. We do as Jesus and the disciples did with the Pharisees in the moment and what they did together just after our passage today. We do as James is actually doing as he writes to a community of God with this letter. We discuss it. We discern together. We are quick to listen to one another. We are slow to speak. We are slow to anger. We're not absent of it, as Matt talked a few weeks ago, but we're slow to it. For when we do these things, we can begin to see together that which is God's righteousness or the justice of God, the being put right of all things that is happening, and we can discern it together. We can rid ourselves of that which is sorted in rank, whatever those words mean, that separates us at the start from our brothers and sisters into camps. We can receive Christ, be whole again, and discern from that place of belonging in Christ. I'm struck by, for us as a body together, the everyday conversations of discernment that this invites us into. How we determine that together, what is together, what is good? How do we do these things? In reality, again, this entire book of James is helping a people discern together. It names that which is true, calls all towards justice and righteousness of God, but is then discerned together. Because of the gift of Christ and the wholeness we find in our belonging with Christ, we are free to discern with our communities of the people of God that which is good. We do not have to fight culture wars, nor do we have to signal that we think the right thing in order to belong in our communities. But we can submit to one another and discern what it is that seems good to the Spirit and to us. So then how do we do this here, specifically? What's the invitation for us here? One of the ways that we do this is in our kairos and DNA, as we kairos together and we participate in our DNA groups together. We don't come to prove a point, but we simply name where we are, what it is that we are thinking, what it is that we are noticing. And then we can dig into those places and discern together, where's bad news at work? Where are these feelings of what I have going on and these thoughts that I have, just me potentially seeking out belonging, just seeking significance, seeking to gain uh, power and do these things? And from there, together, we discern and we name them as realities and we speak good news to them. And we can discern what is good to move in together to do this. We aren't scared of towing the right line. We're not scared that speaking these things will kick us out. We bring it simply as a kairos and we discern it together. This is what our DNA groups begin to teach us to do. And they're beautiful and they do those things. But if they stay there, then it's like, cool, you do it once a week throughout the year and you do that and then you stop. But I think the other invitation is to do it as a community, just doing it in our everyday conversations. A few places that I've seen this and I think that we can begin to continue to live into lately as our group is a few weeks ago, uh, a few of us, there's a few of us families, I think as many people know, that live within like a quarter mile of each other on the southeast side of Indianapolis. And all of us that live together just happened to be together in the same house this night. And we started off with a conversation that was what does it mean to be the people of God here in this place? And just as you imagine, we had really clear answers, and it was super simple to solve, right? <laughs> Hour and a half later, with lots of conversations about, what about this? Well, if we do this, and that does this, and how does this perpetuate this injustice? And what about this? And what do we do this? And here's the global world, and here's our neighbor, and here's all these things. We had these conversations. I don't know about you guys, but I've had many Thanksgiving meals or other things there. What that is, is just defending of turf war, defending of culture war, right? 
but we've been practicing discerning together. And what it was was us just discerning and move forward. And many of us, I'm looking them in the eyes now, are living out the ways and the doing of what we're talking about in our daily lives and then continuing to discern together. What is good work for us? How do we continue to do this? It's just a picture for me. We didn't solve it. Not yet. We're working on it, but we continue to discern together as we do this thing together. And one last example uh, is even tonight. Uh, the Fasolts are coming to sit on our porch with me because uh, I am in a season where I'm like, hey, y'all, I'm not okay. <laughs> Vocationally, I'm really confused. I don't know what's going on. And as a place in our church and these things where I can, I should say like, hey, I got it together. I got this figured out. I don't have to posture. I don't have to defend myself. And I say, will you help me discern this? And the facults will be like the third conversation I've had about this. And there's going to be more coming. There's more of these conversations coming. Why? Because I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to defend something. I don't have to be in a camp of some kind. I can just say, this is what I'm noticing. Will you come with me and discern what this means for us? What is justice? What is righteousness in the kingdom of God here? And then we can do it together instead of having to defend some made-up land. Because friends, there's good news for us this morning. Beloved, your belonging does not hinge on your thinking or doing the right thing. Your belonging is set in the free gift of Christ. Come and be whole again by receiving and participating in God's kingdom justice. Amen.